Before we get started, I want to tell you about my friends at Lean Solutions Group. Lean works with over 500 logistics and transportation companies in North America. You can describe Lean as a nearshoring company or a workforce optimization company, but as a customer, I describe Lean as a strategic partner who can help me win in a very competitive industry. They can quickly provide your company with top talent in operations, sales, marketing, technology, and business process outsourcing. They have over 9,000 employees in Colombia, Guatemala, Mexico, and the Philippines. Everyone is working with LSG. You need to. Check out the link in the show notes. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics podcast. My name is Joe Lynch. Thank you so much for joining us today. On the Logistics of Logistics, I talk to experts in logistics and transportation, warehousing, fulfillment, supply chain, and of course, technology. And during these interviews, I'm always the one asking the dumb questions. I ask the dumb questions so you don't have to. Today's topic is Insight to Action with my friend Ryan Soskin. Ryan is the co-founder and CEO of a company called GoodShip, an all-in-one platform for logistics and supply chain analytics. GoodShip unifies, contextualizes, and analyzes an organization's most critical transportation data and then automatically surfaces the top opportunities for optimization. In other words, in other words, they help you go from insight to action. Please check out my conversation with Ryan Soskin. How's it going, Ryan? It's going great. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to talk to you today. So Ryan, please introduce yourself and your company and where you're calling from today. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm Ryan Soskin, co-founder and CEO of GoodShip, and I'm based in Nashville, Tennessee, but my company is fully remote and we're coast to coast. So what, is, what do you guys do at GoodShip? Yeah, uh, great question. So we are a, an orchestration layer that sits on top of a shipper TMS giving them modern analytics and the ability to take swift corrective action to reduce spend, improve on-time service, reduce spot market exposure, and just generally optimize their network. And it's also a multiplayer platform. So they invite their brokers and carriers onto the platform so that they can create stronger relationships and make sure that everyone's on the same page in optimizing those outcomes. So you sit on top of the TMS. So you're like that analytics layer or whatever you want to call it. I know there's a few companies out there that are starting to say they do that. And then I talk to a lot of people who have transportation management systems. They say, oh, no, we do that. So why do I need that extra layer of technology on top of my TMS? Can't they just do it? You would think so. But today there's a lot more data out there than ever before. And there's all these different systems, whether it's your real-time location providers, your third-party market benchmarking companies, tender data from the TMS, real-time location. So bringing all that together in one platform where it's really easy to understand what's going on in the network. And then you can take the resulting corrective actions all from one place rather than having to jump around from different screens, possibly looking at custom Tableau or Power BI dashboards. It's all in one place where you can see the insights and take the action. Yep. Before we hit record, we were talking about this. When we got the transportation management system, it seemed like a silver bullet. And by the way, it's still a fantastic tool to have. If you don't have one, I don't know how you're in business, how you're managing your freight. But it was completely enclosed. It might take information from an ERP. That was before we were connecting to ELD information. It was before we were connecting to dynamic pricing tools like green screens. It was before we got stuff from Project 44 or Four Kites, Sonar, 
at. <laughs> I'm sure you could list 30 more things that we're getting information from. And so all of a sudden you say that TMS, which again, I'm not against it. It's just, it's job changed quite a bit when it wasn't self-contained. It was all of a sudden, it's going to be flooded with data. Yeah, absolutely. The TMS is critical, right? That's the kind of the foundation tool for any shipper as well as most brokers and carriers. But you're right. There's so many more things out there and integrations are at varying degrees. Of, and so having uh, a system that's a little bit more agile, a little bit more modern that sits on top and gives you the ability to get the insights really easily and brings all the data to one place, shippers and carriers have had a lot of really positive feedback for us. So do you sell to shippers or do you sell to carrier um, carriers or do you sell to brokers and 3PLs? So we sell to shippers, but as part of implementation, we onboard their carriers and brokers. And both sides have really loved the platform because it strengthens relationships. Everyone's on the same page. And so it's been really helpful in, in a lot of different ways. Yep. And I'm, I, want, I want to circle back to this in just a minute. But when I think of TMS information, if you download it into a report, sometimes it's incomplete. So I have to go in and fill in some fields. And I'm going to fill those fields in the most advantageous way for me. So I say, yeah, I think that delivered by 9 a.m. like it was supposed to. I saw 8.56, right? And and that's a problem because later on they go, hey, that didn't get there at 8.56. It got there at 5 in the afternoon. I was like, oh, are you sure? Because it was supposed to be there by 9, right? And we have a he said, she said, right? A little finger pointing. I think, and we'll talk more about this when we get into insight to action, but I think we're getting to a place where we no longer have to discuss the data, whether it's right or not, because all these internet of things are coming into the system and saying, here's what time it arrived. Here's what time it crossed the gate. Yeah, absolutely. So I think five or seven years ago, GoodShip couldn't have existed because the quality of the data, to your point, garbage in, garbage out. We want to make sure that whatever we're displaying is high quality and trustworthy. And so to your point, having companies like Project 44 and Forkites blaze a trail to ensure that in and out times are more trustworthy, as an example, that helps ensure that we're not in the he said, she said. And on top of that, we're, we're focusing mostly on mid-market and enterprise shippers. Most of the companies at that scale are using these types of providers. And so that ensures that the data quality is very high. So let's switch gears for a sec. Tell us a little bit about you. Where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? Give us some career highlights before you started Good Ship. Sure. So yeah, I, I grew up in the Chicago suburbs. I now reside in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm married with, with four young children, which is, which is a lot of fun and keeps us very busy. I went to Miami of Ohio, Miami University nice. in Oxford, um, studied business there. And upon graduation, I, you know, I studied economics and, and finance. I thought coming out of school, I wanted to do investment management. I thought that was cool, sexy, lucrative. Of course, coming out of school in 07, 08 was a tough time in that industry, obviously. And so I met some friends or had some friends that were joining a, a little known company in Lake Forest, Illinois called Coyote Logistics, an up and coming brokerage. And that was my foray into the world of logistics. And you so picked correctly. <laughs> I've got a good track record of picking, picking winners so far. So I joined Coyote Logistics in the summer of 2010. I think the company was maybe 100 people scattered across three or four offices in downtown Lake Forest. We were, we were a scrappy company. I, I, we were, we were, it was early days. It was a lot of fun. The camaraderie was fantastic. And yeah, I, when I joined, we were just launching the re refrigerated division. And so I was one of the first refrigerated carrier sales reps. 
I did that for 18 months as a rep, got promoted to manage, and then I managed uh, Midwest Reefer on the carrier side. And I did that managing for four years. And I was there for five and a half, six years in total through the acquisition by UPS in, I guess it was August of 2015. They acquired us for $1.8 billion. And yeah, from there, I was trying to figure out what the next thing was going to be. And given that I'd been a refrigerated carrier sales rep and manager, I wasn't sure where I would use that very specific expertise to catapult the next part of my career. And I don't always tell this story, but serendipitously, I read an article in GeekWire. Actually, one of my colleagues showed it to me. And it was about a company, about Convoy out in Seattle. And it said, I think the title was like A-list investors put up 2.5 million seed money for a convoy. I read this article. It talked about automating the manual nature of calling carriers and booking loads, basically the Uberization of freight, of course, before Uber freight was a thing. And I just thought this was fascinating. Having been banging the phones or managing people who were banging the phones for years in a row, it just made a lot of sense. And so not sure exactly what came over me. I had never done this before. I reached out to Dan Lewis on LinkedIn. I sent him a message and just said, Hey, Dan, congrats on the fundraise. It's a super interesting concept. Here's my background. Let me know if I can be helpful. Nicely done. (laughs) Yeah. I'm glad I sent that note. To Dan's credit, he responded to me within half hour, an hour, and that kicked off a series of interviews. And so all that to be said, I uh, ended up moving out to Seattle as the 15th employee at Convoy. And yeah, spent uh, four and a half, five years there, wore a lot of hats uh, over that time as we scaled from 15 people to well over a thousand while I was there. And early days, I was on the carrier side. We called it supply at Convoy. So I, I stood up the supply side of the business as we were first starting to commercialize. And from there, helped launch the enterprise sales team, not as a seller myself, but as a freight expert, or we called it senior solutions consultant. I would go on all the meetings with these really high quality enterprise sellers who didn't necessarily have industry backgrounds. And so they would run the, the pitch, the demo, and then I would be the industry DNA and backstop that would answer some sometimes skeptical questions from shippers who were trying to understand this new convoy concept. And yeah, that, that resulted in a lot of opportunities to price out contract freight. And the next opportunity they gave me was to build out this contract pricing team. We called it DealDesk. And uh, yeah, I spent uh, about three years building that team, getting intimately familiar with RFPs and mini bids and a lot of learnings about Convoy's network and what made the flywheel spin and what was types of business that was accretive to our automation that we were going for and what types of business to stay away from or be more conservative about. But more importantly, as it relates to GoodShip, a lot of learnings about the archaic nature and some of the other challenges around contract freight that later became the genesis or some of the genesis for the ideas for GoodShip. Fast forward, I ended up meeting Sean Henry and joining Stored as, as they were post-Series A. And they came up with this clever term, cloud supply chain, but they were doing mostly e-commerce fulfillment and bulk warehousing at that point. They didn't have middle mile transportation. And so Sean and Jacob, the founders of Stored, gave me this really neat opportunity to basically come build a startup inside of Stored. And so we bought a small brokerage out of Missouri, a family-run business, a, a great company called Cove Logistics. And it was a 13-person company. And they basically gave me the opportunity to turn Cove Logistics into stored freight. I brought in some great folks from Coyote and Convoy. Now, did you move from state. Seattle to Atlanta? I actually moved from Seattle to Nashville right as the pandemic was starting. And I've been in Nashville ever since. So I was fully remote for stored, although I did a lot of travel to see the teams. And yeah, I've, I've been remote for ever since. So, so you're not going to go back to that Chicago winter then, huh? I get up there to visit <laughs> friends and family. That doesn't often. count. 
That doesn't count. Con- convincing my <laughs> wife to move back to to winter is going to be going to be a challenge. So you store again. You you got quite a track record. Coyote early, <laughs> convoy early, stored early, and obviously you're very early at good ship. So when and why did you start uh, good ship? What hole did you see in the market? Yeah, so I saw some really big challenges throughout my career in, in logistics, but really where it, it came to a light bulb moment was building the contract pricing team, DealDesk at Convoy and responding to RFPs and mini bids and scrolling through hundreds and oftentimes thousands of rows of lanes that were being put out to bid. And these, these bids for enterprise shippers take anywhere from two to four months to complete a network-wide procurement event. It's exhausting. So probably- it's exhausting. It's so it's one, it's very antiquated and manual. It's this massive lift to run these events. That's the first problem I saw. The second problem is that carriers don't have enough information to really respond effectively to these bids. And so I used to lose sleep at night trying to respond to these massive enterprise bids because I didn't have enough information. So what, what you typically find out is the origin and destination, the estimated annual volume, and the truck type required to move the lane. So this is like the very baseline table stakes information. But there's a lot of really important you know, characteristics that are missing there that have a huge impact on price. So just a few examples are seasonality of the lane. Is this, if they tell me it's 500 annual loads, is that roughly 10 loads a week year round? Or is that going to all land in the summer months? In which case, it's a very different price. So understanding the seasonality of that lane for that shipper, how much lead time do you get? Of course, if you only find out with 24 hours notice, that's going to be a more expensive load to move because you're not able to optimize and create round trips and minimize deadhead, as opposed to getting two weeks of lead time where you can really have some predictability and, and organize it. And then what day of the week is this going to pick and drop? What's the transit time look like? So a lot of variables that have a big impact. I think you're absolutely right. And I can tell you, I worked for a very short time, but I'm glad I did it. Very short time, probably five months at a carrier. And there was a 3PL with 500 trucks. And I remember the first thing you notice when you work for a company that has trucks is that when somebody says, if you call somebody and say, hey, I'm from XYZ company and we'd love to move your freight. And they say, do you have your own trucks? You say, no, click. <laughs> and then when you can say, yeah, we have 500 trucks, they're like, whoa, where are they at? And what I would never say is we're never once going to move your freight with our trucks. They're already dedicated to other accounts. But they're still willing to talk to you because there's more credibility. But what I learned is you get a lot of people sending you Excel spreadsheets. And by the way, they're holding you at arm's length saying, hey, we're going to have one meeting where we'll tell you about the freight. And then you were to spend the next day filling this out. And now I have to guess. I have a whole bunch of guessing to do. First off, I'm saying, do they already have carriers? that they're happy with and they're just market testing them. That's, I'll just say, that's 50-50. 50-50, this is a complete waste of my time. Does the incumbent just have to match my pricing and he gets that business? Maybe, who knows, right? Am I only going to win the lanes that I'm the lowest price on? And if I'm the lowest prices because I don't understand the lane as well as other people do. And after a while, I've heard this term, bid fatigue. You get People send you an Excel spreadsheet that commits you for a a day or so of work. And a lot of times you get nothing from it. You don't even get an email back saying, aha, I wasted your time. Nothing. And and we've got to get out of that. Again, we talk about why we drive our carriers out of business. 
some of it we know. And what we before we hit record, we're talking about account familiarity. I would love to get to the place where we're working with the same carriers, people we know and like and trust, and we're letting the market data that good ship gave us to determine the right price for that lane. Maybe it changed since last quarter. Maybe it went up and I'm going to pay you a little more. Maybe it went down. I'm going to pay you a little less, but let's, let's keep those relationships. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. And I think, yeah, I think that there's a case for incumbency. There's so many benefits of, like you said, being familiar with the lane, the facilities, being able to be the, the dedicated carrier on a lane for a long period of time. You can find round trips. It just, everything works better. You minimize empty miles and deadhead. It's better for costs, better for sustainability, better for strengthening the relationship. But then you get into this issue of, we're talking about static rates in a very notoriously dynamic and volatile market. And so that creates some weird incentives where shippers may want to, in a soft market, circumvent their contracts or carriers, the spot, if the market goes up, they may want to reject their loads and go play in the, the much more lucrative spot market. And so finding ways to use agility, to be resilient and use all this data to take away some of these weird incentives and keep what should be really good partners who do all millions, sometimes tens of millions of dollars of business a year together, keep their interests aligned by having a little bit more flexibility to respond to the market and what's going on. So I know when we came up with the title today called Insight to Action, and we're happy with that. But before we hit record, we were talking about some other titles. And I like that one of the things I can get from working with GoodShip is I can get objective data. So again, I don't want he said, she said data. I don't want data that was massaged by the lowest person in the organization. You know, I've been that person where you go, yeah, I don't want to have to give bad. I don't want to have to give bad news to the boss. So I'll just make this look as pretty as possible for the QBR or for the weekly meeting, and that does nobody any good, right? If if I can hide all my errors by just adjusting it, I never have to say that lane's difficult for us. And why do I want to tell you that the lane's difficult for us and you're going to take it away from us? So much better if we can have real data, and then begin the conversation from a known good place. This data is real. Not, he said, not arguing whether it's good or not, not saying that data is not legitimate. So why should we talk about it? Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure I've been in some meetings like this with shippers as a broker at the QBR, the monthly check call, where we bring our own self-reported data and we say, here's our on-time to pick. Here's our on-time delivery. Here's how we're doing it, honoring our contract commitments. And they very quickly poke holes in that. And they say, no, we've got you down at this number for that metric and down here for this metric. And then that 30 or 60 minute allotted time kind of spirals into defending your numbers and trying to unpack it. How'd you get to this number? And I think there's a lot of problems with how this stuff works today. We're leaving that though, because we have now the ability to get some objective data. I'm assuming now that I have Project 44 and four kites and ELD stuff, I'm assuming it can say, it pings pings the system when I get to that dock. Am I right to say that? Or better yet, probably pings when I go through the gate. And because I don't want to I don't want to be punished for sitting in the parking lot. I should be rewarded because I sat in that parking lot for two hours. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's a really important step in the right direction. I but but the other piece of it is that there's a lack of standardization in data from one shipper to the next. They don't measure things the same way. And so the easy example to to highlight is on-time service can be measured to the day, to the appointment, down to the minute, 
or maybe it's a, to the appointment with a buffer, two hours, three hours, four hours. If you're a broker or carrier supporting 10, 20, 50 different shipper accounts, it's really hard to keep track of what everyone's expectations are. So even when you have these real-time location providers that have objective data in the shipper's TMS, the carrier doesn't necessarily know, based on the logic that this shipper is measuring these metrics, where am I stacking up? Because it's not the same across their portfolio of accounts. And so I think there's this problem of lack of standardization. And there's also a problem where the level of integration between the TMS and the broker, the carrier's TMS, is typically pretty low, right? It's usually EDI that's giving tender updates. No, there's not, up until now, there hasn't been a shared interface where everyone can log in, see the same data, see the real-time scorecard, and be on the same page all the time. And so that's something that we can talk about that, that GoodChip is changing with this kind of multiplayer approach that we're that we built. Yep. And so we wanted to talk about four things. And these are four, I guess they're challenges or just points. We'll call them points. What's the first point you want to talk about today? Yeah, I think we talked about most of it. It's just the the general challenges with contract freight, right? We talked about the manual and antiquated nature of these RFPs. For big shippers, it can take two to four months to run the process. Carriers don't know what they're signing up for, right? They only know the origin destination volume and truck type. There's a lot more that goes into a price than that. And then the third point is that we call these contracts in our industry, but they're not contracts in the sense of the word that it's used in other parts of our lives, right? These are really more like handshake agreements. And so when the market gets volatile, the rate goes up or the rate goes down, the very the shipper or the carrier has some incentive not to honor that commitment. And so that's a really big challenge with contract freight is that people aren't necessarily honoring them. They're just a handshake. So a lot of problems with that. And I think there's things that we're doing to improve that. But is that, you know, how do you guys fix that? So uh, the, the way I see this pr- problems with contract freight, so we can do rather than that one Excel spreadsheet driven exercise where I mass email a hundred people and 30 of those emails bounce back. I now I'm going to use good ship. So you guys can get me. So you, are you guys like a procurement platform for contract freight? Yes, we are. So we call it the all-in-one platform for analytics, carrier management, and transportation procurement. And so the way that we approach procurement is it's, it's really a holistic solution, right? Carrier management and analytics and procurement, they're all extremely related and intertwined, but they've historically been managed as separate things and separate systems. And so the way the good ship approaches procurement is we have all the historical data on how the carriers are performing for the shipper. And so for the, there's a couple of things. From the shipper's point of view, when they run a bid, first of all, everything's digital for everybody. You can import and export spreadsheets if that's how you prefer to, to do it, but everything is done digitally in a very modern and intuitive interface. And so for the shipper, they can, in a matter of a few minutes, initiate a new bid, identify which lanes they want to include. It could be seasonal, like just for Halloween, we're getting close to Halloween here, or just for the holiday season. This for Thanksgiving, right? Yep. It can be a short-term bid. It can be a long-term bid. It's completely flexible. So when it used to take forever, because we were doing Excel spreadsheets, your whole team basically quits their job for a month to do this work. Now I have a technology platform purpose-built for this. Now I can do this four times a year. It's not like pulling teeth. So now I always feel like as a carrier, I can make a real commitment for 10 weeks for 12 weeks on pricing. I can go out and talk to owner operators. I can talk to my own ops guys. We can agree to that. I can't agree. I can't agree to what's happening in 12 months. I have no idea, nor do you, 
Why should I have to commit to something? It makes no sense. Yeah, I, I agree. I think using technology and doing shorter bids is is definitely something that Goodship supports and that can make sense if you're trying to solve for pricing risk. Because like you said, it, it's a volatile market. 12 months is a long time. No one really knows what's going to happen. So making that commitment is, you don't know if you're going to be able to stand by it, let's just say. And so I think you solve some of the pricing risk by doing a shorter term bid. But we talked about the importance of incumbency and being familiar with facilities. So you lose that part of it. This is my own feeling. I don't want to lose my guys just because I asked for a different bid. Again, I don't want to waste anybody's time, but I also don't want to lose, I don't want to lose my incumbents, especially the ones that are doing a good job. So maybe you can give them some data that, that guides them towards the right price, even if it's a little lower than last time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's what GoodShip does for the shipper is they, in this fully digital experience, they choose which carriers they want to include, what the validity dates of the, the bid or the contract are going to be. They can look at the carriers in their network and they can see right there in the same place, historical tender performance, on-time service performance. So they can decide, hey, this is these lanes are really important. Maybe I only want to include my top 10 best service providers or, hey, this is a really price sensitive lane. I'm going to take my most uh, cost effective carrier. So you can choose the carriers you want with all the data you need to make those decisions. And then you choose which lanes you want. And GoodShip actually has a recommendation engine that feeds the procurement process that says, Here's your top lanes where you're overpaying the market, your top lanes where you're getting poor on-time service, and your top lanes that are going to the spot market the most, and suggests which lanes you might want to include in addition to whatever other ones you might have in mind. You choose the lanes you want to put out to bid, and you invite your carriers. They receive an email, they come into the bid platform. And the really cool thing, and what we've gotten really great feedback from carriers about our procurement experience is that problem number two with contract freight that I talked about, carriers don't have enough information. That's no longer the case with GoodShip. Because we're plugged into the shipper TMS, we have all the backwards looking tender data. And so we can now expose the carriers in, in addition to origin, destination, volume, and truck type. We can show them trailing 12-month volumes. So they know exactly the seasonality of this lane that they're going to bid on. They can see average lead time, tender to pick. So they know how much time they're going to have to, to find a truck or, or figure out the driver. And we also show them the distribution of pickup day of the week and drop-off day of the week. We're giving carriers all the information they need to really be armed and able to put forward a price they can honor without having to build in some big buffer to defend themselves against the unknown because now they know what they're signing up for. And likewise, it also doesn't mean that they need to go super aggressive just to win. They can now put forward a price that makes sense based on all the variables. And we think that makes for much more sturdy and durable bids. No, I love it. I love it. I want to take a quick time out to tell you, you can now listen to the logistics of logistics on Wreaths Across America Radio. I'll put a link in the show notes. Wreaths Across America provides informational, inspiring content about members of the U.S. Armed Forces, their families, and military veterans. Their mission is to remember, honor, and teach. Wreaths Across America succeeds because of the generous support of the trucking community. Take a listen and please consider volunteering. So, Getting back to it, we talked about another thing. And the second point that we talked about before we hit record was this idea of more data, but it's also a lot of siloed data. So elaborate on that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's more data available in the industry than ever before. We talked about these new sources of data coming online. So think telematics from ELDs, market benchmark data, folks like FreightWave Sonar, real-time location, Project 44, Forkites, and others contract award data. We're going to have probably a dozen more in the next few years. Am I wrong to say that? No, I hope you're right. More data is a good thing, but figuring out ways to harness that data and use it productively is important, right? It's one thing to have data all over the place, a million tabs. Are you really getting benefit out of it? 
maybe not in an efficient way. No, I could give you, I could give your team, hey, I just sent you that Excel spreadsheet with the eight, 18 columns of data so you can make better decisions. You're like, that's not helping. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I just feel bad now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some, some of the more sophisticated, really big enterprise shippers have big data science teams building custom Tableau or Power BI dashboards for them to make it a little bit more manageable. It's still time consuming. It's still expensive to refresh these things and, and run reports. But most shippers don't have a way to harness this data, right? They're jumping around between all these different tabs, all these different systems. And so it's it's difficult to make holistic decisions to benefit your business. Hard to tease out the insights, contextualizing all this different information that's at play. So how do you help me with that? Yeah. So GoodShip unifies all these all these data sources into one place, contextualizes it, and then surfaces the the biggest opportunities to reduce freight spend, improve on-time service, and reduce spot exposure. And so we're contextualizing data from all these different sources, bringing it all into one place and making it really easy and intuitive to know where should I allocate my time today to further my organization. So what do you mean by contextualize? I, I know you've been talking to VCs again. So what, is, what do you mean by contextualize? <laughs> I may have stolen that one. Somebody said <laughs> I, I like that. But basically, taking the data and then making it make sense, right? D there's a lot of nuance to freight data, depending on what we're talking about, what you're looking at, what the timeframes are, and is it line haulers? Basically, there's a lot of massaging that has to happen. That brings us back to the, the title, which is Insight to Action. It's one thing to see. We have to, There's a big difference between having tons of data and having an actual insight about what's going on. And then is that after the fact where I can't impact the that that shipment or this problem until a week after it happened. Because I want my data to give me an insight immediately and I want to be able to take action while it's still going on. Don't tell me Monday morning about what we should have done on Sunday at the football game. Exactly. And that's the way, unfortunately, it's worked historically is even if you have access to all this data, by the time you do a deep dive or you hear squeaky wheel, some facility tells you that there's some problem, you export the data from your TMS, you're mapping it, doing VLOOKUPs and mapping it against this data, trying to figure out what happened. It's too late. The problem has happened and it's, it, there's no fixing it at that point. And where GoodShip comes in, and this is actually great feedback we got from our shippers early on, our early design partners and customers. They said, this is the most modern, best analytics we've ever seen for our business. But we're really busy. We're juggling a million things. We've got all these fire balls in the air, fires we're putting out. Can you just give us an easy button and tell us exactly what the key insights are and how we should approach them? And so with that really good feedback, we developed our, what we call our recommendations engine. And that surfaces the top 25 lanes where you're overpaying the market, the top 25 lanes where you're getting the worst on-time service, and the top 25 lanes that are having the most volume go to the spot market, and then gives you the ability to take the corrective action directly from good ship. And so really making it manageable. And to your point, you don't want to be a Monday morning quarterback after you're too far gone. This is, you know, as near real time as possible. You catch things as they start to become an issue and quickly correct them and get back on track before it spins out of control or certainly before waiting for a refresh at the end of the contract. Yeah. It seems to me we were very excited three, four years ago to have business intelligence because that would help us make better decisions. Now it seems like business intelligence is still looking in the rear view mirror. How do I pull that business intelligence and start to make some better decisions using that? And I know sometimes we're using AI. And so do you guys use AI in your systems? 
We do a bit for, for certain use cases. We're not going around looking for where can we apply AI, but there are some natural places that make sense. Like in our procurement scenario builder, we have a really sophisticated scenario builder tool. Well, that I think everybody's starting to play with it, but I guess my point is taking business intelligence and then being able to do some scenario planning using AI and then say, hey, I think we've got a problem brewing over here. Uh, again, it's not rearward looking. It's helping me, again, turn in, in it data into insight really quickly and then getting to that action that prevents the problem before it gets a chance to fester on us. So there's another thing I wrote down here before we hit record. You use the term agility is resilience. What do you mean by that? Yeah, exactly. I think historically the way to have a resilient supply chain or the way we thought the best way to, to keep our keep resilience in our supply chain was to have redundancy, have lots of carriers in the backup guide. Just have a lot of yeah backup and just brute force and options. <laughs> brute force, exactly. And I think today people are starting to realize how critical supply chain what supply chain is. Of course, the folks in the industry have known for a long time. The rest of the the rest of the country and the world is starting to take notice, especially accelerated by COVID and the pandemic. But you're talking about static rates in a notoriously volatile market, and so it goes back to this conversation we just had a few minutes ago about. Shorter contracts, longer contracts, shorter contracts have benefits, longer contracts have benefits. And I think in my mind, again, Goodship is built in a flexible way where you can do either. But to me, if you can maintain longer contracts and maintain incumbency, you get all the benefits of that. But then Goodship also gives you the agility to course correct as the market changes uh, unpredictably or as service deteriorates. So instead of having 30 carriers in your backup guide or some other way that you're using brute force, you can use the recommendation engine in Goodship. And you hopefully if the service is good and it's just a matter of the market is shifting a little bit, the market rates have gone up and now it's an issue where the carrier doesn't want to take the rate, take the loads at the old rate because they should make more in the spot market. Maybe that's a case where the shipper should bump the rate up a little bit because you want to maintain the incentives. You want the carrier to stay on. I don't lose my guys. Exactly. Keep your guys that are doing a good job on it. None of us know what the market's going to do truly. And so Let's just agree that if the market has a step function change that we didn't anticipate, okay, let's make a little adjustment in the contract rate. Otherwise, the service is great. The partnership is great. We don't need to change everything or take the lane away from them. And so that's an example of agility within Goodship. Another example is looking at service. If you've got a carrier that's maybe got a great rate on a lane, but they're no longer taking their loads or their on-time service, let's say on-time service is starting to suffer, instead of letting that drag on for too long, Directly from Goodship, you can initiate a performance improvement plan that says, hey, service is slipping. Please pick it up if you want to maintain the lane. The carrier gets an alert. They can do a deep dive analysis inside of Goodship to see all the parameters, all the variables to diagnose why they may be falling short, and they can improve. It's just a way to be able to respond quickly and effectively to changes in the market, changes in carrier service, rather than having to wait for the end of the, of the contract uh, or pull a lane away from a carrier that you otherwise you know, like doing business yep. with. During the pandemic, we talked a little bit, it was used, we used the term sometimes VUCA, volatility, uncertainty, complexity, ambiguity. And I remember I was talking to someone, I don't know if it was on the podcast or on the phone, but saying volatility, uncertainty, complexity, ambiguity, that is a constant in the freight market. So even in a, if things were booming, we have that problem. If it's slowing down, we have that problem. We always seem to have something that we don't have a handle on. And 
<laughs> to say we have ambiguity, you're like, yes, every single day I wake up, there's ambiguity, there's complexity because I don't know what I don't know what other people are shipping, the uncertainty, it's all there. And <laughs> that's again, though, I think why I think it's so important that we be able to take some of this data that is so siloed when there's tons of it now and turn it into an insight very quickly, not manually by me doing it or my team doing it because we're not good enough at it. We got to have systems do it. And then we got to be able to turn those insights really quickly into actions, not three weeks after the fact, not wait, not when we get to the QBR, say next, next year during Christmas, we should do this. You're like, too late. <laughs> so one other thing I wanted to talk to you about, we had, you had you said, talked about a unit, u, unified view and standardization. Um, what do you mean by that? Yeah. So we talked a little bit earlier about how um, the level of integration between the shipper and the carrier or the shipper and the broker TMS is very low. It's really just EDI updates. And that combined with a lack of standardization around how metrics are measured, the logic of, again, the, on, the example of on time being to the day, to the appointment with a buffer, makes it really hard for carriers to know where they stand. And so GoodShip provides a multiplayer experience. We sell them to the shipper, but as part of implementation, we onboard their carriers and brokers, and then they get real-time access to their scorecard, how things are performing. They can see all their historical loads, which ones were late. And so it's a really nice way for carriers to be able to be on the same page as their shippers. And that way they strengthen relationships and they can ensure that they're collaborating in a way that, that gets to the right outcomes for, for both companies. I love it. I love it. So again, who's your sweet spot? Yeah, it's, it's mid-market and enterprise shippers. We've got a number of great shippers on the platform from both mid-market and enterprise, ranging anywhere from 30 million or 25 million in annual freight spend. And we just onboarded a few weeks ago a, a shipper that spends over a billion and a half of domestic uh, on domestic freight. So, anyone that has contract freight has the same pain points at some level. It's the things we've talked about: the static rates in a volatile market, and carriers not honoring their commitments, and 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 all that. So, anyone that has contract freight has these pain points, and Good Ship can solve them for anyone that's engaging that way. And you're selling it to shippers, and then they bring in their partner brokers, three PLs, carriers. Do you ever sell directly to the carriers or the 3PLs? We don't. We've had some requests to to do things like that. And who knows where the roadmap goes down the road. But today, the focus is really on the relationship between the, the big shippers, the, the mid-market enterprise shippers, and their direct carriers, whether it's an asset or a broker. We're trying to facilitate a better experience, a better relationship there. But who knows where the roadmap goes further out. So one more time, what problem are you solving for these shippers? We're giving them the ability to see exactly what's going on in their network in a very intuitive and easy, uh, modern way to look at their network and be able to drill down to the carrier level, the lane level, the load level, the contract level, uh, but to also collaborate with their carriers to create this better experience. And so I think that the, the big highlight would be this recommendations engine that shows them top lanes are overpaying the market, top lanes are getting poor service, top lanes are going to the spot market. And then the ability to take that corrective action directly from the same screen. So in the case where they're overpaying the market, renegotiate the rate. In the case where they're getting poor on-time service, initiate the performance improvement plan or the performance alert. And in the case where they're going to the spot market too frequently, run a mini bid or, or RFP to allocate those lanes to secure some service and cost stability. So that's it's really this agility that we've talked about for shippers to be able to make sure that as the market changes, 
as service deteriorates, they can respond swiftly and effectively to keep things optimized in near real time. So how long does it take to implement this? So saying somebody heard you talking about my podcast, and they said, Ryan, that's exactly what I need. How long does it take to get this going? I'm really glad you asked that question. So it's, it's a very low lift to implement. It's uh, under two weeks for a shipper from the time that they oh. get the... <laughs> yes. It's a really short time to value. We figured out a really nice shortcut that doesn't require any technical resources from the shipper. And so once they see the demo, their stakeholders are all aligned that this is something that they want to implement. We can have this up and running, their credentials, their logins inside of two weeks. So it's really easy to get up and running and modernize the way you're running your transportation business. So is that shipper going into their current TMS to get to, and your information is pulled into that system, or are they going directly into your tech platform? We pull information from their TMS and from other systems that they use and unify it into good ship. Because it could be more than just the, so they might have their own TMS, or they might be working with a broker has a TMS, and then they might have ERP information, they might have WMS information. Yeah, we got all these uh, silos, and you're trying to knock them down and put all that information in one place. So let me ask this, when you start working, and you mentioned a demo, do you ever go say, we looked at the last year just to give you a sense of what value we could have could add going forward? Yeah, we, we do that. It depends on the size of the shipper and you know what they want to see. But sometimes we'll give them access to our demo environment so they can see live data that's been anonymized uh, from one of our early design partners. Or if it's a really big shipper, sometimes we'll set up a proof of concept instance that maybe is, a, a, you know, we'll, we'll set it all up for them. We'll do the data mapping and we'll just do maybe two facilities, three facilities worth of data so they can actually get in there and see their own live data and understand you know, how powerful it is and actually validate that our data in GoodShip matches their custom reports in Tableau, BI, their other systems. They want to make sure that it really maps. And to date, we've never had an issue with that. Awesome. Awesome. So what I'll do is I'll put a link to your LinkedIn profile, a link to your website, and a link to anything you and Paige give me the links to your business. I like to interview smart, interesting people like you, people who are killing it in this space. Who else should I interview? Gosh, there's so many great people. I would say our board member, Ty Finley, he's the co-founder and general partner at a a venture firm called Iron Spring Ventures out of Austin, Texas. Ah. Yeah, they invest exclusively in digital industrial innovation. So building, energy, supply chain, the folks over there are are top notch and Ty is, is exceptional. He's really an expert and and a great guy. So I think he'd be a great guest. I would love to interview. And it's always nice to talk to the VC people because they have a different view of the of our world than we do, right? We, we're so close to the day-to-day. They're seeing, and also they're looking at the what's working in the market. They have a, and let's face it, a lot of them are saying what's not working in the market right now. We're seeing a little retrenchment. <laughs> They get to see a lot of ideas. A lot of them may be good. A lot of them maybe not so good, but they've, they've always got a good eye for what's, what's going on and what's around the corner. So awesome. uh, they're great people to talk to. So what conferences will we see you and the fine folks from Good Ship at? Yeah, we're still finalizing where exactly we're going to be, but you'll likely see us at FreightWaves F3 in Chattanooga. You'll probably see us at Food Shippers, at Rela, CSCMP. And certainly you'll see us at Manifest. So if there's a conference, you guys are going to be there. (laughs) 
And certainly if there's shippers at the conference, we'll be there. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. I go to, I'm trying to go to one per quarter and it is a challenge to get the shippers to go. And I know um, I was talking to you about before we hit record about manifest. I know they made a real push this year to say there was a lot of shippers last year, but they want even more because I always look at it. It's, it's, it's like ladies night. If you can get the, the ladies to come to the bar, don't worry. The guys will show up. <laughs> Yeah, that's so funny. I, I was at a quick anecdote. I was at a, at a conference not too long ago with my co-founder and we walked around and he said, this is like a peacock conference. And I was like, what does that mean? He's, it's all tech companies and no customers. Everyone's just showing off their wares to each other. I got a kick out of that. So we're trying to be at conferences where customers or, or prospects may be. And by the way, not so long ago, I had a marketing person on and she was talking about marketing myths. And one of hers was stop going to conferences with your competition. And not so much that you're afraid to talk to your competition, but just because she said there's so many people who just say, we go there and they spend a hundred grand there. And you're like, show me the deals that came from that. <laughs> you have to have an ROI. And again, I can say this, I was I moderated the shipper panel at Manifest last year. So I was the VP of Best Buy, VP of Alta. There was a lot of people who were there who were big shippers. And by the way, what was also interesting is to hear them talk versus hearing the people I interview talk on my podcast, they do a lot of things that are like, oh, are you sure that technology isn't automated that for you? <laughs> the, the, the world's a little more manual than the rest of us think it should be. But anyway. That, definitely true. Ryan, thank you so much for finally coming on my podcast. We've been trying to get this to happen for a while. My pleasure. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Yep. Thank you. And thank all of you for listening to my podcast. Your support's very much appreciated. Until next time, onward and upward. You have been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage with leaders in the logistics and supply chain community. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, hit the like button, and leave us a nice review on Apple or Spotify or wherever else you listen. Also, please check out our videos on YouTube and connect with us on LinkedIn. We're very big on LinkedIn. And you can also reach us on the logisticsoflogistics.com, our website.